case, I mean, we could just kick the show off, introduce you, and uh, put it up uh, on that. Away from there, I'm gonna. I'm sure. just, I promise, guys, I'm gonna just finish this one, and then I'm. <laughs> Welcome to Super Duper Stuff. Oh shit! The comedy com- <laughs> podcast that's great for people with misophonia. Um, hold on, shit. <clears throat> I'm ASMR podcast. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm Jake. Yeah. This is a podcast where we usually we talk about spooky things, unexplained things, mysterious stuff, and try and explore from a scientific perspective. Sometimes I get that through in one take. Sometimes I eat cookies while doing it. ASMR, of course, sounds stands for Audible Sweets Munching Right Now. That's exactly correct. Guys, listen. It's October. It's October. There's no easy way to say it. It's October, and uh, yeah, we, we're a spooky podcast all around the rest of the year. How do we make October stand out? We bring on cool guests, and they do something interesting and different that makes us feel like we're doing something unique for the month. <laughs> and this week, that special guest is Krista Adams. Hello! Hello! Krista, tell us a little bit about yourself and why you're here. Yeah, um, my name is Krista Adams, and I'm here because my partner is a super duper stitious fan. And you um, are not correct. No, I hate the podcast. Okay. I really cool, cool. can't stand it. Um, <laughs> but no, he when we started dating, introduced it to me, and I was like, oh, you know, like these guys, these guys are pretty fun. And then um, on my own time, started listening, and then started listening more. And then he was like, are you dating me just so that you can listen to Jake and Wyatt? And I was like, <laughs> oh, I'm yeah. not not dating you for that reason. So <laughs> that's a little bit about me. <laughs> <laughs> and what have you brought to talk to us about today? So I realized um, when I pitched this idea to you that I basically took it upon myself to teach you about religion and spirituality and psychology and how all of that works together in the science of the spooky, which, as I say it out loud, sounds pretty fucking conceited um, <laughs> and really daunting. Um, <laughs> so I did it anyway. Yeah. Perfect. Nice. Well, we look forward right. to it. This is definitely yeah, the kind of stuff we like to dig into. Exactly. With October 31st being the pagan holiday of Samhain, uh, it feels like an appropriate topic to discuss. I believe it's pronounced um, Samhain. Uh, just, just wanted to jump in. It's, it's pronounced Samhain, I'm pretty sure. I will throw my super duper stitious cup of beer at the laptop. <laughs> So I grew up in a uh, Christian household, um, and I went to a Christian high school, went to a Christian college for my undergrad. Thank you. And when I was about 19, I left the church. That was about 25-ish, was about when I started my journey into um, spirituality. And I remember at that point saying to my brother, who is probably my closest friend, that I'm either going to be a diehard atheist or I'm going to get into some really wild shit. Um, and it turns out you can do both. I was going to say, why not? <laughs> yeah. So that's sort of the religious and like spiritual side of my credentials. Um, I also have a Bachelor of Arts in Journalism, and I focus on film studies and creative writing. Noise. And I have my master's in clinical mental health counseling. And I'm working cool. on uh, my licensure right now. Fantastic. Cool. Congrats. Thank you. So, yeah, that's a little bit about me and sort of my background. Um, I have sources. Is this a good time to talk about sources? Sure. Okay. This is. Well, this is not the right time for me to talk, but yeah, go for it. <laughs> like I said, I'm an academic at heart. So, Sapiens, the book by Yuval Noah Harari. 
I'm not sure if you are familiar with it, um, yeah. gives a anthropologic view of mankind, sort of like from beginning to end. And also Dr. Nadine Harris-Burke, who wrote The Deepest Well, um, mm-hmm. is a book about toxic stress and trauma. Those are pretty much the main two. I mentioned I mentioned David Dennett and Sam Harris later on, but um, okay. that's kind of kind of where we're at. If you're interested in additional information about some of the things we're going to be talking about, that's a good place to start. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So the very first thing I want to talk about on this comedy science podcast (laughs) is trauma. (laughs) All right. (laughs) They say comedy is uh, trauma plus time. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. It was Rodney Dangerfield, right? Is that who said that? Um, Traumedy. Traumedy. Yes. It's funny. So there's actually a rule in our house instead of a swear jar, because we don't care about swearing, there's a portmanteau jar. Um, So that's a dollar, Jake. That is a really, (laughs) really good policy. (laughs) You tax portmanteaus? Yes, we do. It's a portmanteau tax, you're saying? (laughs) It is a portmanteau tax. Oh no! You wanted to be on this show. I just wanted to point out you asked yeah. to be on the show. Where you are, right? I do. Like I said, I hate the show. <laughs> I think it's terrible. Um. So yeah. So in talking about trauma, to to drastically shift gears, if I may, when we talk about trauma, the causes of trauma can vary per person, right? Um. What trauma is is pretty subjective, but the way that it affects people is overall objective. What we know about it, and a lot of this is the uh, Dr. Harris-Burke's work, is how trauma affects the brain. And the earlier that we are exposed to trauma, the more effect it has on the way that our brain develops. Hmm. The reason that I bring that up is is when we're talking about telling spooky stories, a lot of those stories are pretty fucking horrific, Hmm. right? Like, Hmm. they're really terrible, scary, spooky stories. But some of that is to and, and I'll talk more about this, like address some of the scariness, right? To make mm-hmm, it right. seem less scary, to make it seem less traumatic. I wrote this here and I feel like it's a good quote. It's a Krista Adams original. Um, as long as we have been working together, we have felt the sting of being alone and of being not valued and of loss. So trauma is really connected to that social component. Mm. As long as we have been living in groups, in civilized groups up to 12,000 years ago, you know, we have been experiencing the stress that comes with not being a part of the group. Okay. Yeah, makes sense. That makes sense. Sweet. So one of my favorite super duper stitches quotes is evolution is sufficient, not efficient, right? Mm. So is it possible that while we're hanging out with all the other hominids 12,000 years ago, that part of, you know, battling out for who's going to be the dominant homo, um, and we're all experiencing this really toxic stress because food resources are scarce and other tribes want what we have and, you know, all these other things. Is it possible that we developed a way to cope with stress that is so dynamically sufficient compared to the other hominids that we sort of rose above and oh. that that oh. is in, in some sense, our spiritual development. I like I it. I like it. We've, oh, look at those jinx. Oh, look, look at us. I like, this also kind of dovetails very nicely with stuff we talked about. I, I asked when you were pitching this uh, topic, um, how this would kind of interact with a uh, special report number eight, I want to say, episodes 118, 119. We talked about 
some related things to this, but I really like the direction this is going. The idea of different ways that this could be um, psychologically and physiologically good for us. Uh, I like this idea of it being evolutionarily advantageous to us. It's very cool. Yeah, and that's where um, David Dennett and Sam Harris kind of come in with their um, some philosophers who have had the same idea. So, I mean, I arrived at this idea on my own, but then I found out that I wasn't the first person to have it, which is like always a bummer. Welcome to academia, right? (laughs) Right. It's validating, though, because then it's like, oh, hey. Yeah, very validating. Right, exactly. So, yeah, so that is, oh, also interesting side note, Y'all, I assume, are familiar with the idea of the Uncanny Valley, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. There is a theory that this is connected to the Uncanny Valley, that while we're developing alongside these other hominids, that we needed to differentiate them between other people who would help support our stress coping mechanisms versus people who would reject them. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I know some people like to say like on Tumblr and shit like that, they point out things like this. It's like, oh, if we like evolve this this repulsion to this particular kind of thing, it must be because we were encountering really horrible creatures. It's like, no, no, no. It's just us versus well, them. Knows? Yeah. Like maybe they didn't shower as often as it Homo sapiens did. They may have been monsters. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but also, I mean, even like this also been explanations as, as simple as like, oh, just being able to differentiate between healthy and unhealthy people and stuff too. It'd be like, oh, that that's not normal. I gotta watch out for that. Right. Right. But yeah, the 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 more extreme othering of like our actual like our species versus other species or or related subspecies, that kind of thing makes sense as well. Right. And also when you think of it in terms of like mating partners, right? Like who Mm. is going to be able to relieve the stress of my offspring better, right? Who is going to be able to uphold those, those belief systems better? It's going to be people who look X way and not Y way. Yeah. That's making sense. Good. Because I am a beer and a half in. So, (laughs) (laughs) so let's, uh, Let's go ahead and define what spirituality is. So obviously we're pretty familiar with religious practice, right? As being sort of the organized, ritualized experience of spirituality. Mm-hmm. But spirituality is an individual belief. And my definition, and again, because I have gotten into arguments with my partner about this in the past, my definition of spirituality is anything that brings meaning. So that doesn't necessarily have to be meditation or um, prayer or rituals or anything like that. If you find meaning meaning in reading a book or making a podcast or hanging out with friends or doing whatever it is, like raising plants, anything like that, like that is... It could be a like place for, right, spirituality to take hold or, or at least be, be channeled through, act as like a guide point for it yeah and not to not to hash it out on the show but what is the uh what is your partner's counter argument to that just out of curiosity (laughs) he's gonna love that you asked that question uh and i love it too and i'm glad that you asked it because i totally remember what his argument was. your glass is (laughs) cracking in your hands right now (laughs) (laughs) yeah um no i think that that he in his mind it's it's a completely separate experience that spirituality is more experiential and not necessarily so philosophical if that makes sense okay like you you have a spiritual experience it's not necessarily as so grounded in whatever you find meaning maybe the mundane yeah you can find meaning in these sort of daily chores or just any kind of thing that gives your life like a narrative structure versus i mean i don't say i wouldn't say one or the other is necessarily entirely 
wrong. Either, no, they're equally right. valid, or whatever answer will keep you both listening to the show. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> right. Thank you. That was very magnanimous of you. I try. So literally, by this definition, anything that alleviates stress or reduces the impact of toxic stress um, that is caused by trauma is a spiritual practice. And the cool thing about this is that psychology really backs this idea up. Carl Jung and Alfred Adler really touched on these ideas and how symbols are among some of the most powerful coping tools that we have when it comes to dealing with stressful situations. That if we can alter or adapt the symbols that we use to better explain and identify the world around us, we're more likely to feel connected to it and more likely to feel motivated to participate in the world and in social events. This has been proven over and over again, as I'm sure you're familiar, with the placebo effect. Mm -hmm. If we believe something to be true, it is true. Functionally, for our lived experience. Yeah. And and what are superstitious beliefs and ghost stories and, you know, those sorts of things, if not placebos for the inexplicable? I like it. So, yeah. yeah. It's like a set of rules to explain your reality that you can you can buy into and have have form a, a reality around yourself whether whether you can prove it or not right mm -hmm. it is fascinating how powerful the placebo effect can be as well uh especially i mean obviously the one that jumps to mind i think for most myself included would be medicine where folks can have sort of miraculous cures <laughs> even with like sugar pills and things when they mm -hmm. believe that they're given the actual medicine yeah a lot of the work that I'm doing right now is with um, people who uh, struggle with substance misuse. Oh, and okay. um, a lot of 12-step programs and other programs like that are modeled around spiritual beliefs. And that's not a coincidence. Um, the reason that that is, is because the substance use is typically a direct response to trauma. It's a direct response to a traumatic experience and um, wanting to cope with that and wanting to find a way to make sense of that, um, finding comfort in it, and it's a quick fix. And so the replacement for that is spiritual practice, and it has proven time and time and time over again to be the most effective replacement for any substance that's out there. In that encouraging spiritual practice in lieu of substance use is there like a set protocol? I mean, thinking of like, say like Jungian symbology or things where we have maybe not necessarily standardized symbols or standardized tokens of in-group versus out-group or, you know, male versus female energy or anything like this. But like, is there like a template that people are put through, for lack of a better term, that helps them kind of make that uh, adjustment or or take on that kind of spiritual practice? The short answer is there's not enough research right now um, to really back up one specific way being superior to any other. Right, that makes sense. But, but there is a lot that supports just through AA and NA. Like if you just looked at AA and NA and you didn't look at any of the other recovery models. What's NA? Sorry, I don't know it. Narcotics Anonymous? Narcotics Anonymous. Oh, okay, thank you. Yeah, even like if you look at those curriculums, they are really kind of soaked in these religious steps, you know, talking about the big book being the Bible and, you know, God being the person who, um, you know, pulls us through these things, hmm. which in a 1950s America, right, where every household was exposed to Christianity, 
made a certain amount of sense. It was a helpful shorthand for spirituality. Right, right. But now, as you know, I saw an interesting statistic the other day that I don't have a reference for um, about how in like two decades, a third of Americans will still identify as Christian or something like that. Like Hmm. the numbers are dwindling in fast, you know, that 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 nomenclature, the way that we talk about it is no longer appropriate. Um, It's no longer beneficial um, because there are so many people who who don't identify as Christian or who don't have that same sort of framework growing up. And so they they need that same sort of spiritual peace, but they need it to be more broad Mm -hmm. to be able to to affix it to, you know, their their recovery and their sobriety. A different kind of signpost pointing back to this thing. Exactly. And in this particular context, then I would say that your definition of spirituality would work very well there as a, a much more uh, useful uh, kind of alternative to the strictly Christian kind of solution. And I appreciate useful because, you know, I'm in my 30s now. So um, <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, but yeah, it, it kind of it brings me back to my next point as I scroll down my Word document that um, <laughs> narratives are really our superpower. The way that we discuss a thing is so much more important than the thing itself. Um, Because the greatest symbols that we have at the end of the day are our words. Mm -hmm. So changing the words that we use can have a profound effect on how we view ourselves and how we view others in the world around us. One of my favorite... So I run I run groups at a recovery center. Um, so I strictly do groups of like 10, 10 or so people who are who are in various stages of recovery. And my favorite lesson to do with them is where we list words that they have been called in their history, and then we relabel them. We we create a new definition. Nice. Wow. And I love doing that because it's such a powerful experience if it's not something that you have ever been through um, to take, you know, these these things like junkie or addict, right. you know, and, and replace it with a person who needs love, a person who, you know, has seen some shit like and, right. and have a different understanding of it. And it really helps to create a foundation for changing those mindsets, you know, because there's a biomedical component to it, but the psychological aspect of changing the way that we think about it, you know, I'm not just a victim of my circumstance. Like I really have the power to change. This is making me think too. That's really awesome. This is making me think too of like, it's not the same, but it's just ringing a bell towards the placebo effect in a way as well, where not in the sense that these words aren't the real medicine in this particular case, but that our belief and our understanding of the way we like codify our reality is so much stronger than like you're saying, like the thing that's actually happening on the outside. So yeah. like it also makes me think, uh, not to get too biblical cause I can't get too deep on it, but in the beginning was the word. Am I right? Yeah. If you the ask word John is the foundation mm-hmm. and taking those texts to be as philanthropic as possible rather than like a tool for bludgeoning, it's like a, it's like a helpful guide, right? Well, it's interesting you say that because when I was in my undergrad, because I was in my undergrad for journalism and communications, that was one of the things that we talked about all the time was like the first thing that God did was speak. It was words. It was words that put things into action. Right. And ironically, I think that's really sort of what kicked me on this journey of like, 
now where can those words take us, right? Um, mm. Because because I'm a word nerd. Um, I I love English and I love the English language and and just being able to dive into it. Um, but yeah, I mean, just the the power that we have in language. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also very similar to how we come about. You know, now that I identify as a pagan witch, a lot of the history associated to spell work is mm. literally spelling out the word. That is why oh, they're called spells. I'm amazed. Oh. I never thought to look into why that was. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. And chaos magic, which I think is a a big misnomer. That's the Ian Malcolm version of magic, right? (laughs) Yes. Um, Chaos magic is very heavily steeped in symbology. It's very much like this idea of like the symbol is the thing is what you make it to be. Cool. In the meantime, I just got a really bad idea for the music I'm going to use for the end credits. So yeah, go ahead. Um, I'm really interested about that. Um, No, I was going to talk about the power of stories then, because if narratives are our superpower, if the way that we can really change the world is by the way that we talk about the world, then the power of stories is just enormous. Right. There's a reason why we keep telling them, Mm -hmm. why there's such a need for content, why we keep sharing stories, why we keep communicating these things, and why there are certain themes that continually recur, because... They're important. It's how we deal with stress. It's how we deal with everyday life. It's how we exist as humans. Mm -hmm. I can dig it. And so almost every horror film hits these tropes, right? Like greed and selfishness. Boy meets girl. Right. And sex, right? And and othering, a lot of othering in horror mm-hmm. films. Um, and they all get punished, right? By the monster or the beast. And that supports a very sort of pro-social narrative. Right. Don't have sex if you're not going to make a baby. Right. We need to we need to keep ourselves <laughs> pure so that, you know, we're, we're not allowing the other into our space. Um, don't take from the rest. Don't be greedy. Don't be selfish, because that's going to spoil it for the whole. Looking after yourself and not protecting the whole is what's going to get you and others killed. Right. These are ideas that when you boil them down, make a lot of anthropologic sense, because like. When we were trying to, you know, fight it out for dominant homo, we needed to be able to do this, to be able to protect ourselves. Right. Is there any sense of how an inherited, maybe some like trauma through time, like how much is that in the same moment that we're codifying the cures or the coping mechanisms, are we not simultaneously perpetuating patterns of damage or patterns of victimhood or or trauma as well absolutely and that gets into the whole field of epigenetics which is a whole other right Mm -hmm. wild exciting field of research that is above and beyond my pay grade for listeners at home epigenetics is how uh, it's we talk about nature versus nurture and all kinds of stuff and it's the the way that both can actually work at the same time so it's how your environment can change the way your genes work in, in the briefest kind right. of sense. Yeah. And and all the research that goes into that and how um, there's the, the science that backs up that it does actually change your genes. It does change the way that your biology behaves um, given the, the environment that you're in. Um, so, yeah, I think that absolutely we, we uphold these ideas of othering because in some ways, I, 
Um, I don't know if you're familiar with the YouTube channel Kurz. Kurz now I'm drunk and I can't say it. Kurzgesagt? Yes. Yeah. I love it partly because it's, it's really fun, just interesting stuff, and partly because it's just fantastic motion graphics animation. Uh, and as someone who makes those kind of things, I, I'm into it. But yeah, really cool. Um, yeah. What's the subtitle for that? Let me find it real quick. In a nutshell. Yes. Ah, uh, okay. Anyway, I'm sorry. I do not know what this is. Yeah, they. It's a it's a YouTube channel, and they turn out these really like beautifully well made, scientifically backed, and well researched videos. Um, but they they do talk about sort of this I- idea of like the history of humankind, right? Like from where we started to where we are now. And if you look at how much development there's been, and this is not going to be a mystery to to y'all. I'm in Virginia. Sorry. We have a y'all jar over here. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. I'm not even mad. I'm originally from Ohio. So like that, that feels fair. I'm appropriating <laughs> y'all. Um, but <laughs> the, the amount of time that we have spent in the industrial era, era compared to all the, the time of human history prior to that, we have not caught up in an evolutionary sense to being able to have the amount of technology that we have. Oh, yeah. um, there's no way that our epigenetics could could process that quickly in the, in the number of generations we've had from the industrial revolution to now to be able to process that. And that's not even factoring in major disasters like lead poisoning and things like that that impair cognitive development and all that good jazz so Mm -hmm. like in some ways uh not to be a total downer right like in some ways we kind of fucked ourselves over by the industrial revolution but in a lot of ways things are way better right like more people can eat more varieties of food and the death rate is way down from where it was a thousand years ago and all this other good stuff. So like, that's great, but we may have, you know, screwed ourselves evolutionarily. Wait, are you trying to say there's a downside to capitalism? I think there might be. Hmm. Is, is I think where I'm, where I'm getting at. Well, that doesn't sound very good. I hope this works out. <laughs> I'm not confident. It's a pretty hot take. <laughs> it is. I know. <laughs> Especially in this setting. Y'all are very yes. pro-capitalist on your podcast. For oh, yeah. Years. Absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah. So the stories that we tell ourselves, right. Um, narrative therapy. Narrative therapy is the kind of therapy that I am most drawn towards and, and try to practice the most because of my the setting that I'm at at work. I have to do a lot of cognitive behavioral therapy, but narrative is really where my heart is because it, it really gets to this point of the stories that we tell ourselves, the stories that we tell each other, and reframing those stories in a in a constructive way that allows us to really take hold of our own history, take hold of our own events that have happened in our lives and really process them appropriately and allow us to evolve in a smaller personal way. Now, it's just a question on behalf of an imagined audience member. Yeah. When you say like... Oh, you guys don't have audience audience members? No, you were actually, we were surprised to be approached by anyone uh, for this episode. So, Fair enough. (laughs) When you talk about this kind of cognitive therapy, I can imagine someone saying, well, hey, my story is my story. How am I ever going to change that? I've been through these things and like, I've been called these things or, you know, how, how does one go in, in a Kurzgesagt, how does one go about reframing that for oneself? In a, in a nutshell, I think it was like, in a, in a nutshell, how that translates. <laughs> yeah. Well, Kurtzkazak sounds like short, quickly said or something like that. <laughs> in my mind, my German still holds. 
<laughs> Somehow that feels like a dollar to me. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, okay, so I'll share a little bit of my own personal experience, right? Um, I lost a sibling when I was younger. And when I was going through that experience, the narrative that I told myself during that time is so much different from oh. the narrative I tell myself now, right? And And that narrative comes from perspective. It comes from having lived it. The healing of that trauma comes from accepting that narrative when I was telling it to myself. Mm, when I felt mm. that those things, when I felt that loss and I felt that incredible, you know, d- trauma and grief and bereavement and all of that was absolutely true. Right. Do I need to still feel that way now? No. I Is it see. okay to feel that way now? Yes, but I don't have to. Right. Like right. there's there's a different part of the story that's happening now. Mm-hmm, right. um, and so and so taking events that happen to us in the context of a larger narrative. I see. OK. So your story is still your story and and accepting. It's also this idea. I love talking to you, my groups about radical acceptance uh-huh. where 100 percent, no exceptions. We're going to accept everything that's happened to us. Right. Um, accept it as true radically and allow it to be what it is, but recognizing that it doesn't have to stay that way. So kind of like, instead of, I can imagine resistance kind of calcifies maybe your story at a certain page, and this is helping you turn that page to new chapters. It doesn't mean that these things didn't happen. doesn't mean it's not part of your total story. It's still, there's that painful part or painful parts, and those can be big, long, hard chapters, but still there's distance now. There's more space and more... Right. More structure there. More perspective, more context, more framework around the thing. Because the great thing that we do when we experience trauma is that we survive it. And the way that we survive it is that our brains do these complicated, multifunctional things where we just hunker down and focus on what needs to get done. And that is awesome because there's no other way we could get through those things. Right, right. But the problem becomes when we're put in a situation where we have to think that way for so long that we can no longer take ourselves out of that way of thinking. Mm -hmm, And so then we're stuck in this place where everything constantly is shitty and we, you know, (laughs) we can't, we can't get out of it. We can't outthink ourselves. Right. And that's where that narrative therapy to me comes in and we start to reframe work some things around it and say, yep, this experience, totally valid. The way you've been handling it makes perfect sense. It's time to move on. Time to write the next chapter. Great. Very cool. So that's what I do. Um, I'm not saying I'm a great therapist, but I might be. And... (laughs) Okay, so the spiritual side of this then, that's sort of the psychological piece. Sure. The spiritual side of it is the belief that if I carry this shiny rock around with me, it's going to bring me good luck. Mm-hmm. Doesn't hurt anyone, right? <laughs> like the the Joannas of the world. <laughs> um, like as long as those beliefs aren't hurting anyone and in fact might actually be a placebo effect that's helping you. Right. You know, what? what's the harm in that spiritual practice. Sure. For sure. Now, how much would it derail you to suddenly stop in this particular moment to do something totally different? You know what? I'm pretty flexible. I'm a group therapist who works with people in recovery, so go for it. Great. So let's thank our sponsors for Phantoms, first of all. Oh, Jake. <laughs> uh, you have a little copy for four Phantoms. going for it. All right. Uh, I will recycle what I wrote earlier. <laughs> do you need me to mute my microphone? 
Do you want me to not be a part of this? No, you're a part of oh, this. You could be a part of this. This is your episode. Okay. Before we carry on, I'd be kidding myself if I didn't mention the gnarliest brewery in Western Massachusetts now infamously incorporating, let's all do it together, cylinders, tubes, energy, expectation, creative design, <laughs> and execution to create a liquid be- fluid oh, that can only be described as beer. That's okay. right. I'm talking about four phantoms. There are a ton of forthcoming four phantoms features for the month of October. October 4. October 4. I actually had written that before. <laughs> I hate to say it. Are there at least four? Well, <laughs> I only wrote three. God Better make it. one up. But I guess the fourth one is, I'll start with the fourth, which is that they've introduced two new beers. <laughs> False Night IPA and Gothtoberfest. So I guess they owe you a dollar <laughs> they do these are very tasty beers which i know because i looked at them <laughs> and later this month darley's jig ipa will join the set so try them all all thursdays in october including today mm-hmm. so that's the 6th 13th and 20th four phantoms will host trivia nights which start at 6 30 p.m they're five dollars to enter and the winning team gets cash and a four phantoms gift card the second thing, that was the third, is Saturday, October the 8th from 1 to 5 p.m. I start with the fourth one. <laughs> from 1 to 5 p.m., Four Phantoms will host its October art market uh, featuring Santo Taco, uh, which is a tasty um, portable eatery. Uh, come for the artists and the makers, the local vendors, stay for the food and drink. Saturday, October 22nd, and this is the first one, Four Phantoms <laughs> will host a jack-o'-lantern contest. $5 to enter, winner takes home cash prize, and another Four Phantoms gift card of $4. Yeah, I was $4. Say, yeah. $4. <laughs> You'll carve your your kin. Your pump, if you will. And then drop it off uh, Friday between 4 and 9 p.m. That's Friday the 21st. And then Saturday from 12 p.m. to 7 p.m., attendees can vote on their favorite jack-o'-lantern the tickets for voting are given out with pints, so you must purchase to play. Heaps more going on at Four Phantoms this month, so be sure to head over to fourphantoms.net to check things out and sign up for these events, or simply swing by the tavern in Greenfield, Massachusetts. Thank you, Four Phantoms. Thank you very much. If you're within driving distance of Four Phantoms, you've got some assignments this month. Yes, it's a busy month. All right, now it's time to wheel out the old NCAA uh, so we can thank our Patreon patrons with uh, the the world-famous pander function on this machine. So the, the NCAA, for, for brand new listeners who are for some reason still listening, the NCAA is an arcane computer that we used uh, initially for some other stuff. That's why it has this name. And now we mostly use for this uh, Patreon thing. And so we're going to go ahead and turn it on here. Uh, okay, it's turned on, and uh, actually, luckily, uh, Chris, we have this extra cord today for whatever reason. It just kind of grew out of the side of it. So it gonna- oh. Well, real quick, is it possible to opt out? No, unfortunately. unfortunately. It's recommended on the Surgeon General's <laughs> warning on the side of the machine. Oh, I mean, I, I see it. It's coming toward me, so maybe it's too late. I don't know. It kind of is, so we're going to go ahead and just... Rather than resist, we're going to plug these cables into the backs of our skulls, and it's just going to go in there. It's super so easy. It slid right in. Honestly, I was expecting it to be worse. It's not See? so bad. Exactly. See, there it is. Yeah. So what does this do for us? Why, what's going to happen now? This will, of course, allow the NCAA device to download from the dark ether all of the uh, creatures, 
cryptids, ghoulies, monsters, what have you, that are listeners, our Patreon listeners specifically, none of you freeloaders, <laughs> uh, have to look out for. You know so who we'll, you are. Yes. You know who you are. All five of you. <laughs> so today we'll focus in on... First off, we're going to focus on... Axeli K of Tervayoki, Finland. Uh, my file was corrupted, so I couldn't say it. <laughs> yeah, that's why it happened. Axeli, look out for... Amamongo. Amamongo is a creature of Philippine cryptozoology described as hairy, man-sized, and ape-like with long nails. The term may have okay, a- so this is like just... Us. I was gonna say this is just like most white men in America, which yeah. <laughs> I mean I do have to say, please look out for. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> My goodness. Let me just <laughs> look at all the information that all we- of this. <laughs> some of the information that's been downloaded into our brains by the NCAA. If you see any white guys or <laughs> bipedal apes of even hairier dimension that stand about five feet maybe four inches tall well also it's really making a big deal out of the long nails i don't want that to go unmentioned that is fair yes um, manicures are not that expensive and times are changing it's 2022 friends like if you just go just go you know what fellas treat yourself and I, I would say that even goes for the Amamongo. You know what? This may be the first time ever. I'm going to pivot, Oxelia. I hope you know what you know what to look out for. Amamongo, if you're listening, get a fucking manicure, dude. Yeah. There's actually a non-zero possibility <laughs> that uh, this particular notification from the machine is actually meant for Oxelia. You may need to seek out the Amamongo to bring it to a manicurist. Or if you are good at giving manicures... That's a possibility as well. So. But also, it's not your job to fix your partner. So if you're dating an Amamongo, <laughs> you know, yeah, maybe recommend, but it's not your job to fix You're not them. obliged. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Technically, that would be a form of violence to forcibly <laughs> heft your manicure abilities onto their beleaguered, disgusting, horrible hands. <laughs> So, actually, I think we've given you every possible uh, outcome here that you could need. I think you're as prepared as you can get. So, thank you very much. Thank you very for your much. patronage on Patreon. You, uh, and dearly. next, we're going to focus in on Krista, Krista A of Williamsburg, Virginia. I don't know who this is. Oh, sure well, that can't be me. I'm in. I'm in a different city now. So uh, that's well, that's what your address still is on Some Patreon. Krista so that's where your shit's getting mailed to. I don't know. Needs to look out for the U28 creature. The U-28 creature is not the name of an individual monster, but rather the name given to a single sighting of a yet-to-be-identified beast. The difference between those two things being something. Yeah. <laughs> being a, a, a splicing of a sentence. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, words are important. We just talked about that. That's right. I guess I would describe the U-28 creature as a flying alligator. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is the image that's being conjured for me currently. Yeah. Yes. So the name comes, of course, as we all already knew from the uh, the U boat twenty eight, and the, it's uh, in encounter with the British steamer Iberian. So about torpedoing happened, and the friggin' gigantic aquatic animal came about eighty feet out of the water when the torpedo <laughs> explosion <laughs> happened. So. Oh, I see. It wasn't flying so much as exploded. <laughs> Um, and we have to uh, never forget the words of the people there 
who famously said we were unable to identify the creature. <laughs> I am seeing that uh, I am being fed the information that it happened slightly after my birthday, but 80 years too early. So like, so Krista, whoever the hell you are, uh, definitely watch out for World War One. Uh, watch out for explosions that launch monsters in the air. And yeah. thank you very much for supporting us on Patreon. We we deeply appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, um, whoever that is, thank you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and thank you for thanking them. <laughs> yeah, can I time. take this thing out of my neck now? You can. Yeah, we should probably thank plug it out. Yeah. And for uh, anyone else out there who wants to also have their creature uh, uh, explosion try to uh, calculate yeah, any of that. Um, calculate to buy this machine. All you gotta do is sign up at any one of our three tiers on Patreon, and you'll get that as well as a really cool, fun bonus uh, content and access to our Discord. And then above that, you also can get some merch discounts. Uh, anyone in the first hundred uh, patrons will get these fun glasses. We are two out of the three of us are drinking out of. Why are you going to put on this next time? And uh, I'll mail it right to you. It's good times. Each of our tiers is better than the last, including the first. Oh, that sounds so, really like emo. Each of our tears. Yeah, that's how I've been meaning it this whole time too. <laughs> that's how I'm taking it from now on. Tears of joy. Glad someone finally Which works got in it. Both both directions. Um, all right. So, thank you all. Yes. Back to the show. So back to the spiritual side of things. Yeah. So, Chris, I believe you're mid sentence when we. <laughs> Yeah, um, I'm trying to find the sentence. Yeah, okay, gives you confidence to get the job done, right? So, <laughs> um, yeah, talking about the the spiritual side of things. So, if you are interested in expanding your spiritual practice, which I definitely recommend from a psychological perspective alone, not even taking into the you know into account sort of the spiritual benefits of it. Um, but I would look into like you know historical. Um, accounts, um, things like that. Um, you want to make sure that you're not, there are certain practices out there that are closed that are, you know, specifically for hereditary or cultural reasons set aside for that. So if you're interested in um, learning about those things, you can, but it's not necessarily appropriate to practice those things. How would you define that for someone who's never heard of a closed practice of that kind before? Yeah. So voodoo is a pretty good example of a closed okay. practice as well as some Native American practices. Mm -hmm. um, people will talk about like... Smudging? Yeah, people talk about like smudging with like sage or things like that. Mm -hmm. um, and that is actually technically part of a closed practice. Mm -hmm. um, so you can cleanse with sage or Palo Santo, but that's not the same as smudging. Smudging is part huh. of a, a different practice. So it's just being educated about those kind of things if you're interested about it. There are a lot of really good groups on Facebook Keep in mind that there's no right or wrong way to be spiritual, right? There's no, no one should be telling you, like, listening to music is not a spiritual experience. You can tell that person to fuck off. Uh, you have my permission. Except for your boyfriend. Well, I mean, <laughs> he doesn't always listen to the greatest music. I do tell him to fuck off. So, <laughs> no exceptions. Radical acceptance. <laughs> um, so... Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that there are a lot of different ways out there. So, so for example, I identify as an atheist pagan witch. A lot of the practices that I borrow from are Wiccan. Um, so they have sort of a Wiccan feel to them, which is sort of falls under that, that witch umbrella. But I don't ascribe to God or goddess or anything like that. Um, I don't worship any gods or anything like that. Um, I recognize them as symbols, right? Sort of like as we talked about and can like 
honor them as a symbol, but don't really th- go out of my they way to do anything. Weight, yeah. Right. Beyond that, let's say, yeah. Yeah, and I think that for people who are very scientific, it's important to know that that's an option. Because I think um, initially when I started on this journey, I was like, it's all or nothing, right? Like I either have to like pray to a god or goddess or I have to, you know, be atheist. There's no in between. Right. Um, and so for people who want to enjoy and believe the science, but also want to have a practice that is more meaningful to them, that still contains some of that that spiritual aspect of it, it's important to know that like you can do that. Um, and there are places that you can do that. And there are people who are willing to accept you and want to be your friend. And I'm one of them. <laughs> Right on. Yeah. So it's totally cool for me to be a biologist and uh, make sacrifices to Apophis. I mean, it, whoever it might be. Apophis. Uh, the, I don't know if you're familiar. I know, Jake, you have more ties to sort of Irish and Gaelic heritage. If you're familiar with the Morgan. Nope. <laughs> uh, so the, the Morgan is a goddess of... Uh, battle and she is represented by ravens so i have ravens tattooed on my shoulders in Uh representation of that that's cool all of that to say spirituality is cool and doesn't have to be exclusive (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) so that's pretty much what i have as far as uh uh, my notes but i do have some ghost stories if y'all are interested in hearing some ghost stories hell yeah i like you dad yes Okay. I want the record to show so, that I'm mostly Scottish, not Irish. Like I said, I don't listen to the podcast, so I don't know these things. <laughs> um, <laughs> You're one of the good ones. <laughs> right. I'm pure in the sense that I'm untainted. <laughs> That's, um, right. That's right. <laughs> All these dirty portmanteaus. <laughs> That's right. Dirtman toes. Dirtman toes. <laughs> Look at you. You're breaking your own house rules. Yeah, I'm a rebel. <laughs> so my first ghost story is the first way that I got in contact with y'all, actually, um, is I sent this ghost story in. I used to live in Williamsburg, Virginia, um, which, if you're not familiar, is one of the three towns that makes up the Colonial Triangle. It's one of the oldest cities in America. For a while, uh, I say for a while, in reality, it was like a week. I worked for a ghost tour um, that would go around Williamsburg and learned all kinds of cool ghost stories from there. But I also worked at a jewelry store, um, a local jewelry store. I worked there for a little over a year when I first moved here. And when I was there, I had, so I had sort of started this like spiritual journey of like, oh, like I'm going to start opening myself up to like these different like spiritual experiences and like what's going to happen and blah, blah, blah. And I'm in the back room talking to the jeweler. Um, And there's like just this little back room. There's one door in and out. And it's essentially like a glorified closet where we would clean all the jewelry and stuff. And I'm standing back there talking to the jeweler, and we're just chit-chatting. And all of a sudden, I feel some someone behind me, which I'm not standing near the door. The jeweler is standing near the door. And I feel someone behind me slap my ass, like, way hard. Whoa. And I turn around. You know, I make the face that, that women make when they feel someone smack their ass that it was not asked for. And um, I turn back around to, to the jeweler, who is also a female, and... Um, I was like just making this really weird face and then go back to trying to listen to what she was telling me. And she says, oh, did you just feel a slap on your ass? And I was (laughs) like, why? Yes, I did. 
And she was like, oh, yeah, that's our ghost, Gary. Gary. God damn it, Gary. <laughs> right. I was like, um, okay, so I was just molested by a ghost. Yeah. Um, I don't know who to tell in HR about that, but I feel like <laughs> yeah. someone needs to know. Haunted resources, of course. <laughs> <laughs> right, haunted, right, haunted resources. Um, she she had said that she'd been working back there. She'd been working at that jewelry store for um, over a decade at that point. And she was like, yep, sometimes my tools go missing and I turn around and they show up on my desk sometimes like i've been i've been slapped on the behind other people have been slapped on the ass like it you know it just happens it's one or the other they're either slapped on the behind or the ass it depends on the person <laughs> right it really it does um but but i guess he he did it to all the the young ladies who worked there so i was just being inaugurated into the jewelry store great gary liked the booty <laughs> who the doesn't booty. you know <laughs> It's just one of those things. Everyone's a everyone's a fan. It's hard to hard to say no to a nice butt. It's true. It's true. So that's sort of my lighthearted uh, short ghost story. This next one is a little bit longer. This story revolves around the um, Ohio Reformatory. I grew up in Ohio. The Ohio State Reformatory is known as one of the most haunted places in America. Wow. And at the time, I was living about 40 minutes away. I had just started sort of walking away from the church and was starting to think about, like, wanting to be open to spiritual experiences, wanting to, you know, open myself up to whatever. And so I decide to go to the reformatory and be sort of open to whatever might happen. Right. And I've heard stories about it being haunted. I've never wanted to go because I was always freaked out by haunted shit. And I was like, I'm not going to do it. So I decided to go with a couple of girlfriends of mine and we go and we're walking around and it's just it's fine. Like they filmed Shawshank Redemption there. Um, uh -huh. So there's a bunch of like movie memorabilia stuff around, which obviously I'm really into as well. So I'm just like enjoying that and looking at the different things and just like, yeah, nothing's really feeling any sort of way. I was going to ask, is it kind of a space set up for public visitation? It's not like you like dive under a chain link fence to get in, I imagine. No, 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 no. It's absolutely legal to get there. Cool. They have it open for um, museums and all kinds of stuff if you're gotcha. ever there i totally recommend going because it's really it's a really fun time even if you're not into the spooky stuff it's really great cool yeah so we're we're walking around we get to the end of the tour we see all the stuff where like morgan freeman stood which i like had a weird crush on him in my undergrad so <laughs> i was like cool and so like you know got to see all this stuff and, and was all hype about it and brooke was here so was red so was krista <laughs> right right exactly like here's the hole in the wall and i like got to take a piece no. Um, but we're getting to the end of it and my friends are like, okay, well, we're going to go use the restroom. And I was like, sweet, I'm just going to stand out here because I don't have to. And as I'm standing there, I start to feel like it's hard to explain if you haven't had those like ghostly spiritual experiences, but like start to feel like drawn to a specific area. Hmm. And I'm just standing there and I'm like, well, this is kind of weird, but I did say I was going to be open to it. My friends are in the bathroom, so I'm just going to start walking that way. I start walking, and it leads me into the area that is solitary confinement. Mm -hmm. And I walk down this this hallway. It sort of splits off into two different directions, left or right. So I stood there for a second, and I was like, okay, I'm going to go to the right. That's where I'm feeling drawn. So I go to the right, and I walk down about almost halfway, where you can see there's like a, visi a visible divider between like the, the front half and the back half. 
and um, I go almost all the way to halfway and I stop and I stand there and I stare into this cell and I'm just like, something feels really different about this cell. Huh. And, and I don't know, I don't know what it is. And I just kind of stood there for a minute and it started building. And then I was like, Ooh, this is, this is like starting to unnerve me. Like I yeah, really, right. like, I, I don't like this. So I left went and got my friends and then we sort of walked through and I, I you know, I walked my, one of my friends back and I was like, this cell is like, do you get a weird feeling here? Like I, you know, I did this whole thing while you guys were away. Do you like feel that standing here? And they were like, no, not really. Like I don't feel anything. And I was like, okay, well I did. It was weird. Let's keep going. So we walk through, we finish up. And as we're about to walk out, we find a tour guide, like somebody who works there. And he was like, Oh, you know, are you guys leaving? We said, yeah, we walked the whole place. And he was like, okay, well, do you have any questions or anything? And I said, well, I'm kind of interested. Do you have any ghost stories? Uh-huh. And he said, well, did you see the cat eyes down in solitary confinement? And we just kind of looked at each other. No. He's like, all right, come with me. I'll show you. So he walks us back down to solitary confinement. Lo and behold, back to the same exact cell that I had stopped at. Mm-hmm. And on the back of the wall, there was a fluorescent light that was just lit at the ends and the way that it looked is it made it look like cat eyes um because of the sort of the oval ovular shape right right um and so he explained that what had happened was they had doubled up the number of people that they were putting in solitary confinement so it wasn't just one person per cell it was multiple people in a cell and the person who one of the people who was in that cell murdered their cellmate they've had electricians come out to look at the light to see why it's on and they nobody can explain it it's inexplicable you know blah 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 and i was like wow that's that's wild can i take a picture of it and he says well you know you can try but don't be surprised if something follows you home so i laugh because i'm skeptical right and i'm just like okay yeah sure so i try to take a picture and my phone goes haywire like it really it does not want to focus, does not want to. And I'm like, okay, this is really wild. But eventually I get it to, to be able to take a picture. And I'm like, oh, okay, this is kind of cool. So we get ready to leave. And I just feel really unnerved. Like him having said, like, just make sure nothing follows you home. Oh, yeah. Felt Total really. Psyops moment. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like talk about priming, right? Like, mm-hmm. So I go home and I tell my partner at the time, I'm like, this whole thing happened. And it's wild and crazy. Right. And here's the picture. Like, isn't it insane? And he was just like, yeah, okay, great. So that night. <laughs> Not much of a talker. Huh? <laughs> no. <laughs> There's a reason he and I aren't together. <laughs> um, and that night, I had this wild dream that I was in the basement of the house that I grew up in. And as I was down there, there was this black shadowy figure Ooh. that was following me. And it was like crawling out of the basement and coming Ooh. towards me Ooh. and eventually attacking me. Oh, and God. when I woke up. I was like in a hot sweat, right? Like I was just like, oh my God. And I woke up and I went to turn on my phone to check what time it was. And the cat eyes picture was on the background of my phone um, when I went to check the time. And I was like, what the actual fuck? (laughs) And so the next night, same thing happened, right? I I go to bed. I have this repetitive dream of this creature following me through the basement, finally attacking me. I wake up to check the time on my phone. The cat eyes pictures on the background of my phone. 
So I end up deleting the picture, Mm -hmm. right? Because I'm like, get this the fuck off of my phone. I don't know what is following me. I don't know what is (laughs) exactly, but I'm over it. And I call my mom. And at this point, I'm like walking away from the church and I call my mom and I'm like, I think I, I think I'm being like possessed by a demon. I don't know what is happening. (laughs) Right. And she's like, okay, well, I'm going to go and pray for you. So (laughs) she, she prays for me. And after that, I'm like, totally fine. But did she give you her thoughts? (laughs) you know i'm not sure uh there's an argument to be made that she raised me so i already have her thoughts but um so a month or so goes by and i'm like you know what i kind of want to go back i want to see if i can experience this again like it was really wild and it was yeah (laughs) no more dreams i was like it was really scary it was really freaky but i kind of want to see if if something will happen again Mm -hmm. so this time i go with my partner and a friend and we go and we end up getting connected with the person who actually runs the whole place. So he takes us back into like a secret area that most people don't get to go to crawling through like a tunnel through sewage to get out to the end. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It was really weird actually that he had us crawl (laughs) through all of that, but, but we are hanging out and he's telling us these stories and while we're standing there, I swear to God, I saw another ghost, but that's kind of a, a whole other detail. But he's talking to us about all these different ghost stories and having different teams come out. He said, Ghost Adventures is full of shit. And like they came out and like made up stories <laughs> when they came out there that weren't even real. And so, like, don't believe anything that they put on their show. And I'm not saying that to defame Ghost Adventures, but also maybe I'm saying it because yeah, he told us that. <laughs> and. So he's saying like, oh, they're full of crap, but these investigators were really good, um, you know, and these people did a, a really good job, whatever. And I asked him, I was like, so we we had gone back through solitary and the cat eyes were gone. Hmm. And I was like, that's that's really wild. So I asked him, I was like, what, what happened to the cat eyes? Because the last time I was here, like they had been here for a really long time. And he was like, oh, the strangest thing happened. It was like about a month or so ago, which is the last time that I had visited. Right. Um, he said about a month or so ago, they went out. Uh. And when they went out, we started catching doppelgangers on our security cameras. So we would see people who looked like other employees walking around being in two different places at once. Oh. Whoa. And he said they would be walking, they would see them on the security cameras walking through the basement of the facility, mm-hmm. the basement, which is where the creature was attacking me in my dreams, Oh yeah. in the basement of the facility, and then also through other parts of the facility, and it would be doppelgangers of different employees. What? Wild. I'm never coming back here. Yeah, no so I bought a shot glass and I left and I've never yeah, been nice. back. <laughs> wow. Very spooky. Oh my God. So those well, those are my ghost stories. Those are great oh ghost gosh. stories. Those are great. Thank you so much for sharing. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Oh my god. <laughs> Yay. Oh my gosh. This is like super fun. Is it like super fun or is it super fun? It's a lot oh, like it. It's very it's similar. It's very similar to super fun. <laughs> my goodness. But no, thank you so very much, Krista. This was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, thank you so treat. much. I really appreciate you having me on. I know I was particularly forceful <laughs> in finding my way onto the show. Um, and I really appreciate it. I'd be happy to come back anytime. Let's not push it. I, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's true. That's true. Also, yeah, you're right. You're right. We set a rule, everybody, and we mean everybody on the planet that's one. <laughs> and that is absolutely fair. <laughs> this is an exclusive club and I 
you know, I had my shot. But definitely an excellent way to kick off October this here year. Yes, indeed. Happy, uh, happy to be a part of it. Well, anything that you would want to uh, plug or otherwise promote? I really want to just promote individual counseling for everybody. Um, I think it is super, super helpful. Um, I don't just believe that because I am a counselor and I like having a job, but I believe that because I think that it is um, really valuable. And when we talk about sort of the evolution of spirituality and the evolution of our species, I think that mental health and education is really the way that we're going to accomplish that. And I think that listeners of this podcast are probably pretty well educated. Um, and so seeking that that mental health side of things uh, definitely is important. So that's what I want to just encourage people um, to look after yourself, take care of yourself. It's hard knocks life. That it is. For, for all of us. <laughs> mm-hmm. Cheers to it. Thank you so much again, Krista. And thank you all for listening. And hopefully you'll join us uh, next week where we're going to talk about some monster movies. Ooh. Hi. Ooh la la. And drank some dranks. And uh, until then, bye. So you two, um, dig up, dig up dinosaurs. <laughs> oh, oh. try to. Ah, 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 ah,